Well, like I said, we're going to go ahead and continue on. Today's uh, title of the message is called The Author. Apparently, I didn't slip out the... Uh, I didn't flip out the slide. That's supposed to say God's healing promise. Imagine it in your mind right now. That what that says is God's healing promises. Hallelujah. Oh, forgive me. This has been one of those weeks so far. So we started music practice on Thursday night. And I don't know if you noticed, the last couple of weeks the speakers have been kind of weird. So all of a sudden one of the speakers just drops out. We finally figure out what it is we think. So we go, and I go and get a new speaker cable. Because the, the one that we had, we, we were convinced it was bad. And if you notice, they're two very different sized speaker cables because uh, uh, they didn't have a replacement for that one, so I have to wait for that one. But then I found out if you have two different sized speaker cables, one of your speakers apparently is way louder than the other one. So then we're trying to, to figure that out, right? We're trying to get that straightened out, get it figured out, and uh, uh, we're balancing up. And then we found, well, maybe it wasn't the speaker cable. Maybe our amp is failing because we can't get things balanced. And then uh, you guys noticed worship this morning. It was all over the place in the beginning. Holy smokes. Thank God God loves me no matter if I forget the words or get off time or do all those things. Amen? Man, I'd be in a mess otherwise. And that's not the only thing. It's all these little things keep adding up, and all I keep thinking is, well, this is going to be a good message this morning. Somebody's going to get something because the devil is doing his best to make things not work out. Well, you know what? I'm not unaware of his schemes, and I can preach with the wrong slide. That's not a problem. Amen? We're talking about God's healings, healing promises today. Last week, we talked about who the author of sickness. I put that there on purpose so I could reference last week. Last week, we looked at the Word of God to determine where sickness comes from, right? And we, we learned that it is not God's will for us to be sick. It's not God's will for us to be hurting or in pain. And we also learned that God doesn't use sickness as a tool, but it's actually the enemy, the, the devil, who introduced sickness and who uses, us, uses it to impact our lives. And that's all well and good that we know that God doesn't do it, but there is a reality that sickness exists. None of us can deny that. One of the things that we'll talk about a little later is, is understanding the difference between truth and facts. The truth is, or the, the facts are that sickness exists. The facts are that Christians still get sick, but the truth is, is that they're healed. Sometimes you have to wait for your facts to catch up with the truth by putting your faith in what he's already done. But the primary purpose of this series as a whole is to really show you what the Bible actually says about healing because I don't think a lot of people know. I know a lot of people don't know because so many people are actually convinced that God is using sickness to guide and direct them or to punish them for something. But today I want to take some time and look at what are the actual promises that God has made towards us regarding healing. We're going to take time looking at that. And the great news about looking at it in God's word versus just me saying it is this is what Jeremiah 1.12 says. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well for I am watching over my word to perform it. How many of that's good news that God is watching over his word to perform it? Because when Pastor Wayne gets up here and says something, there's, no, there's nothing really behind that. The only power behind what I have to say is in so much as it aligns with the word of God. But the truth is, when God says something, it's a done deal. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to be confused about it or be curious about it. When God says something, it is. And he's watching over his, his word. And I love it because God doesn't speak haphazardly. You know, you see me up here just about every single Sunday stumbling over words and getting stuff messed up. And I've said the wrong words sometimes. This morning when we were, we were singing, uh, 
I called out the next verse we were going to, and what it said was, uh, oh, where's it at? Because I was thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe I just said that. Verse 2 starts with, feel the darkness shaking. All the dead are coming back to life. Back to life. That's uh, your love awakens me. And to call it out, I yelled out to let us know this is where we're going. I said, feel the darkness. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> See, the words that I say, sometimes I say weird stuff. Sometimes I say stuff that I don't intend to or it has meanings that I don't intend it to have. But when God speaks... He's not confused. He doesn't get tongue-tied. He doesn't accidentally say one thing but mean another. So when you see it in God's Word, it's because He intends to uphold His Word. He intends to do it. Amen? But something that we have kind of going against us in the, in the United States is that uh, we actually live in a pretty amazing company. We have the, some of the best health care in the world. Right now, if you want to survive cancer... Being in America is the best place that you can be. We have some of the best health care in the world. We have the best recovery. Um, uh, statistically, we have the best recovery from cancer in the United States. And, but the truth is, is that because we live in such a modern and well-taken society that we're deceived in thinking that just because we have the best health care, we have the best stuff, that we're always going to be healthy. And the truth is, is that really Americans just aren't that healthy. I was looking uh, at a study, and it said that Americans, it's true that Americans are living longer today, but they're actually living sicker than they ever were before. And I began to look up, do you guys know what the top 10 leading causes of death in the U.S. are? That's number one. Number two is cancer. Number three is accidents or unintentional injuries. Four is chronic lower respiratory disease. Uh, five is strokes. Six is Alzheimer's. Seven is diabetes. Eight is influenza and pneumonia. Nine is nephritis, nephrotic syndrome, and nephrosis. And ten is intentional self-harm or suicide. Those are the top ten leading causes of death in the United States. Eight those to do not be with people being sick in body. And the truth is, can also, which is suicide. This is idea of suicide is something I think that would be uh, remedied significantly if people would begin to put their faith in Jesus instead of being, uh, and have hope that we have instead of being distraught at what else is going on in their life. The thing is, is that as healing, and it's not just true in the United States, this is actually true all over the world. Not only is healing needed, but it's desperately needed by so many people. And God has made provision for it for today. Some people think that miracles don't happen, but I can promise you that they do. I've seen many myself, and I've heard stories from others that I trust. First-hand accounts that I trust that have seen healings happen. And it's not something that, that should happen occasionally, particularly in the church. This should be the norm for us. When we pray for somebody and lay hands on them, if they don't get healed, we should be wondering what's going on. But we're so convinced that this stuff doesn't happen. We've been so conditioned, particularly in this country, that, that science is the answer and it's pushing the way forward and, and everything has to be explained. When the truth is, is that we serve a supernatural God and He'll do supernatural things if we just believe that He is who He says He is and He's going to do what He says He's going to do. I think part of the problem is, is we don't really know what it is. I think to really get a hold of some of the promises of God for us, we have to understand who He is, and the reality is that He cares about you. Uh-oh. See what I mean? Somebody doesn't want you guys to hear this message. 
First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How do you know when somebody cares for you? Have you guys ever thought of that? When you, when you know that somebody cares for you, how do you, how do you recognize that? How do you know that that happens? I think the first thing when you realize that you have a relationship with somebody and, they, and they, that they care about you is one, they, they tell you things. You actually talk with them. They actually tell you stuff. You have conversation with them. And, and Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hitting things that you have not known. The truth is, is that we have a God who speaks to us still today. I saw a uh, cartoon on Facebook the other day, and uh, it had, it had uh, a, a person praying. It was one of those like far side one panel comics, and it was praying, and he said, God, speak to me. And a hand came out of heaven holding the Bible. God, it's amazing to me when I read through the Bible and I realize that it's some of this stuff, uh, the, the youngest of it's 2,000 years old, and I'm like, are you sure you're not writing about this, this stuff about today? Because he still speaks to us. And I know people that have heard the audible voice of God as well. I personally have never heard the audible voice of God. But I know people that have, like I said, people that I trust that have. But I also hear God speaking to me inside through my, through my own conscience, through my own head. God speaks to me all the time. My, actually, my biggest problem is not hearing from God. My biggest problem is listening to God. I hear from God all the time. I just ignore him probably more often than I'd care to admit to you. <laughs> See, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how else you can tell somebody cares for you? They listen. If somebody listens when you speak to them. Psalms 116, 1-2 says, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because He inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call on Him as long as I live. We have a God who listens when we speak. Now, I don't know if you guys understand how incredible amazing that it is that god listens to you when you speak you look at every other god that has been created by man and religion and they're always so far above us that they're they have nothing they want nothing to do with us or they just want to manipulate and control mankind every every god that man has made up is all is 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 aloof but our god's right here with us he's in this room with us right now and we can speak to him face to face it was amazing to me Another indicator that someone cares about you is they want to spend time with you. Now, God wanted to spend time with you, and I know this because he sent his son to the cross to, to, to fix what was broken so that you could be in fellowship with him. That was the whole purpose that Jesus came, was to, to make it because darkness has no fellowship with light. We had to be pure and holy to spend time in God's presence. He sent his son so that we could spend time with him. And you see this from the very beginning. We see that, that when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, do you guys remember right after he, he ate from the fruit, him and, and Eve, they went and hid. And God walked through the garden saying, Adam, where are you? Now, that's funny to me because God knew where they were. He's God. But even then, he was still calling out to, to Adam and Eve. He was still, God was looking to spend time with them. Also, when somebody cares for you, they want the best for you. See, this is where a lot of people get hung up when they hear about the commandments of God because they think that God is trying to steal their fun and make it to where they, they can't do the stuff that they want to do. There's so many people that I've talked to about, about getting involved and they just don't want to do it. They don't want to give up their drinking or their carousing or their the girls or cars or whatever it is that's pulling them away. They don't want to give it up and they think that God is too restrictive. 
But then you realize that the commandments that he gives us isn't to take our fun away or make our life worse, but it's actually to keep us safe. Just like your kids. You, don't, you tell them, no, you can't go out and play after midnight in the street. It's not because you want to steal their fun. It's because you care about them. We make kids go to school not because we hate them, but because we want the best for them, for them to grow and to learn. Even though I hated that I had to go to school when I was growing up. And then we look at the idea that one of the things that, that, that God did that seemed like an awful thing was really the greatest thing he could have ever done. Was when, when Adam and Eve messed up, he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. You're like, man, that seems pretty harsh. They just ate a piece of fruit. But the thing is, is by kicking them out, he weren't suddenly because had they ever eaten from the tree of life after they were in that state, they would have been that way permanently. There would have been no hope for us. So it wasn't an act of malice or callousness or, or because he was, he was protecting us. Because he loves us. He wants the best for us. Probably one of the things that I like about God the most is what it says in Psalm 103.8. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, bounding in steadfast love. Well, I do some dumb stuff sometimes. I do stuff... And some of it's not even, uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about sin, I'm just talking about for, like how I treat my son sometimes. You know, and, and I, I get so quick to anger sometimes when he does something. And, and I think if you're a parent, you understand, because about the time somebody does something the 412th time that you've already told them not to, it can get frustrating. But it doesn't excuse how sometimes I behave. You know, and I, I, I wonder, what if God treated me like that? What if God, every time I did something for the 412th times, just put his foot down, squashed me out? He's so patient with us because he cares about us so much. He wants so much for us. And the truth is, is I've seen God work in my life even when I was trying my best to push him away. I've never intentionally had to push God away, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it if I, if I didn't tell you. If you were from the outside looking in, matter of fact, I see many people like that. The thing is, though, is God loves us. He wants to carry our burdens. And He wants us to cast our anxieties on Him. The truth is, is we live in a fallen world. There's stuff going on. People are ornery. And sometimes life is frustrating. But He wants us to cast that on Him. Let Him walk beside you. To trust Him for everything. In addition to knowing that God cares for us, we also need to understand that God is our source of strength as well. In Psalm 29, 11, it says, May the Lord give strength to His people and may the Lord bless His people with peace. God gives us strength to overcome and to walk through the storms of life. If you haven't had a storm in your life, you haven't lived long enough. Or maybe you're walking the same direction as the wind which is probably even more dangerous. But we all go through s struggles and storms in our life, and it could be, there's a number of things. It could be sickness, which is the focus of these series of messages, but it, there's other things. We have financial pressures and persecution, and like I said, sometimes people are ornery. Did you guys don't have ornery people in your life to make you want to? I'm telling you, there's people that I just want to, 
shake the Jesus into them. Have you ever wanted to shake the Jesus into somebody? I wish that worked. I'd get all kinds of people saved. It'd be like on, on uh, 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 Nacho Libre. When he walks up behind his buddy, he says, I'm a little concerned you have not been baptized. And he shoves his head in the water. <laughs> but the thing is, is that God gives us strength to deal with all of this stuff. And he says he blesses us with peace. Because peace is the result of a, fi- of a victory. Did you know that? After a storm, there's peace. And he gives us strength to weather the storm. And he actually gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Because the reality is, is that I talk about after a victory results in peace, but you can have victory in the midst of your problem. In Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, he says he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I mean, that's good news. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, the, the thing about this situation in time is the Jews were complaining to God. Like, he didn't know what their situation was. Anybody ever complained to God like God doesn't know what, his, what your situation is? God, are you even paying attention? Don't you see what's going on? Why is this happening? But this is what the Jews are doing. And his reply starts in verse 28 uh, of Isaiah. says, have you not known? Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. You don't have to complain about God about your situation. He knows about your situation. But sometimes the road looks impossible. Sometimes it seems like there's no way out. And sometimes what we face is so overwhelming that we look to God and say, don't you see what I'm going through? Do you even care when we should be looking to God, recognizing that he gives us strength to get through whatever that we're going on? We have to wait on the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And this idea of wait is not the idea of wait that we have in this society. It doesn't mean to just sit down and like, I'm waiting for God to get me a job, so I'm just sitting on my butt not doing nothing. And I'm sure that a a job is going to fly right down from heaven and smack me in the face. No, that that means it's to to get up and move, but put your trust in God while you move. You want a job, to wait on the Lord is not to sit and wait for a job to fall on your lap. It's to get up, fill out some applications, turn them in, and pray that God will give you favor with the interviewers. Put your trust in Him. He says, then, then you'll mount up on wings like eagles, which is both emotional and spiritual. There, there's sometimes we need to be lifted up. And when we put our trust in God, we get strength and we are lifted up from Him. And we're able to deal with everything that is coming our way. And if we can understand these things and we can begin to see who God is, He cares about us, He wants to give us strength, He's walking alongside of us, and then we begin to see that no, actually, He's also our healer. Exodus 15.26 says, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in His eyes, not in your own eyes, in His eyes, and give ears to His commandments and to keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Now first, to get the uh, elephant out of the room real quick, because we just talked about last week, I said that God is not the author of sickness. And you can say, wait a minute, Pastor Wayne, isn't this one of those areas that... that uh, uh, God might be using sickness as a tool because it does say, 
I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. And I think we have to understand a couple of things. First, this wasn't God trying to, to, to punish the Egyptians. This wasn't some sort of, uh, th- this, was, this was actually a, a judgment on the Egyptians for what they had done, for holding the Jews in captivity. And you can say, well, Pastor Wayne, isn't that kind of the same thing? Judgment or, or punishment or... But we have to understand a couple of things when you're reading the Old Testament is that where you're at in the timeline. This is pre-Jesus. All the Old Testament before Jesus, and you can read in, in the, chap, uh, the, the book of Hebrews, it says that they were all looking forward, not having received the promise yet. They were all looking forward to Jesus, but he had not arrived yet. So judgment hadn't been covered yet. Sin hadn't, sin hadn't been covered yet. That's why they were still doing sacrifices day after day, year after year, for the covering of their sins, looking forward to the promise. So at this time, the, God is judging the, the Egyptian people for what they're doing. And you have to understand, if you read the stories, how patient was God with Pharaoh? Ten times he gave Pharaoh the opportunity to repent. And Pharaoh had his heart hardened. And wouldn't receive it. And obedience resulted in blessing for the Jews, but disobedience resulted in in judgment for the Egyptians. And obedience for the Jews was to to, uh, follow his commandments and the laws. But for Christians, obedience is different. It's to put our faith in Christ. And the thing that you have to understand when we're talking particularly about sickness and whether God's going to use that in your life is the reality that Jesus came and he bore the punishment for us all. We're going to see in a little while that by his stripes we were healed. All the judgment that was supposed to fall upon us fell upon Jesus. Therefore, that's why the scripture says that those who are are in Christ are not judged. But those who are not in Christ are already judged. Because sin has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. But one of the things I want you to understand is he says that I am the Lord, your healer. This is who God is to his people. He's their healer. And I want you to know that if you're born again, you are God's people. And even more so, as Christians, we're more than just his people. Those who are born again get the right and the privilege to be called children of God. That is an amazing thing. John 1.12 says that those who believe and receive him, those he gives the right to become children of God. What an incredible privilege that is. And anytime you see those signs that say we're all God's children, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you're born again, you're given the right to be called a child of God. Now, if he was that way to just his people, how much more so do you think he'll be to his children? The ones that can reach up and cry out, Abba, Father. How much more so will he be our healer? In Exodus 23, 25 through 26, it goes on to say, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. Once again, we see that promise of him being our healer, taking our sickness away, if we will be obedient. And I know obedience is a bad thing word in this country there it is there's 26 none shall miscarry or be barren in your land i'll fulfill the number among you 
But this idea of, of, of God being our healer and taking away sickness, and if we look at the, the scripture before that, he starts talking about, uh, if you say, I apologize, I read the wrong one, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandment and keep all his statues, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptian. This idea that if we'll be obedient to him, he will take away our sickness and be our healer is an amazing thing. But the problem is this idea of obedience has such a bad connotation in the United States. Somehow, if we're obedient to somebody or if we're submissive to somebody, that means that we're weak. But the thing is, is Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? One of the things about salvation is that we call him, we receive him as our Lord and our Savior. Not just our Savior, but also our Lord, that we would obey his commandments. And we talked about it earlier. The commandments of God are not to hinder us, but they're actually to keep us safe. They're to make things better for us. But if we'll be obedient and remain in Christ, he'll fulfill the number of our days. I love that. I will fulfill the number of your days. That means you get to live a long life. That means that you get to be healthy because he's taking your sickness away from you. That means that there's, uh, he says you shall not be miscarried or be barren in your land. So he's talking about a, a, an idea of being fruitful. And you have to understand, and it's not as big of a deal today because especially now there seems to be an attack in this country about being a parent about having children. But back then, it was a great honor to, to have children. It's something that, that every family wanted, every woman wanted. And matter of fact, it was considered a curse. If you could, and God says, you won't have any of these curses. You won't have any of these things. If you'll be obedient to me, then you are going to be, uh, you're going to have these promises fall upon you. And, and this is not to say that if you are sick, that somehow that means you're living in sin. But I do think that there are times that we push God away and make it impossible for him to work in our life. God wants, the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, and he wants things for you, but so often we push him away. And one of the things you've probably been thinking as I've been reading through all this stuff is, man, this seems like a lot of Old Testament stuff that we're talking about. And the truth is, is that we are uh, underneath a new covenant that gets established in the New Testament. And it's true that these verses are describing covenants with the Jews, but the truth is is that we live in a better covenant today. That's what Hebrews 8, 6 says. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. That means the covenant that we have now is better than what they had then. And if he was making those promises then, we get to see actually what God's heart is. Because when you look at what God's doing for his people, you begin to reveal his heart for his people. And how many know that God doesn't change? God doesn't change. See, that's the thing about the Old Testament and the New Testament is you actually can't separate them. They work hand in hand. The New Testament or the Old Testament sets up the New Testament. But looking at the Old Testament without the light of the New Testament can make you be a little bit confused as well because you see stuff like God put sins on or God put sickness on the Egyptians or sent the plague to the Egyptians. You're like, wow, what kind of God is that? But the truth is, is he made provision for all of that in his son so that stuff didn't have to happen. He put that judgment and punishment on his son. But it doesn't stop there, these promises. If I had time to go through every promise of healing in the Bible, we're going to be here much longer than it looks like we're going to be here today already. Proverbs 
3017 says, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you outcasts. It is Zion for whom no one cares. You see, the Jews are having a tough time here again. They're being rebellious towards God, and they're bearing the fruit of that. I want you to know that if you're rebellious towards God, though, oftentimes you'll bear the fruit of that in your life. Is it that God is punishing you or doling out judgment on you? I don't believe so. I believe it's because we remove ourselves from the blessing of God. Like he said, Jerusalem, 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 how I long to gather you in my wings like a hen does, uh, hen does or chicks. And the picture is this wing coming in to pull the chicks in. But if wings have, have slots in them and the, the feathers can spread out. And if you push hard enough, you can make it through. Even though the hen is trying to protect her chicks, they can still go through. And just like that, even though God wants the best for us and wants to be there for us, we can push out of his blessing if we're so inclined. I wouldn't recommend it, but we can. And the Jews here, they've been oppressed by the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And, and then we see some, some false prophets coming um, early on in the book of Jeremiah that are promising to bring peace superficially. And once again, we're seeing more of these Old Testament prophecies. But what I love about this scripture here is, is that uh, this, this whole section is considered an ode to the Messiah. He's speaking of restoration through the Messiah. Jeremiah 39 says, But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. David their king, he refers to the Messiah. If you, if you read the, 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 the commentary on this, the, theologian, the, theologians, the theologians' comments on this stuff, you'll see that this refers to Jesus. And the new covenant, this promise is made directly towards us. I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal. And I believe that we'll be restored both spiritually and physically. It's not just a spiritual healing that he's talking about. And it doesn't just apply to the Jews, but it also applies to the church as well. And if you keep going on, you see so many of these promises. Proverbs 40, 20-22. My son, be attentive to my words and incline your ear to my saying. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. When you read this proverb, this is actually the instruction of a father to a son. And he's saying, keep my words near. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And this isn't Eastern meditation where you clear your mind. This is Christian meditation where you fill your mind with the word of God. He says, meditate on my word day and night. And if you take heed of my words, incline my ear to my sayings, and keep them within your heart, they are life to those who find them and healing to all flesh. We find the way to life through the Bible, through the words of God, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can see our faith increase for what, for what he wants to do in our life to actually receive these promises when we have our faith increased by hearing his word. You guys have heard it time and time again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you struggle in an area, any area of your life, start reading what the word of God says about that. But healing isn't just an Old Testament idea either. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You guys may have noticed that if you've ever asked me to pray for you for healing, 
the scriptures, many of the scriptures that I've read today, you'll just hear me repeat them when I'm praying for you. Many people think that you have to be clever to pray. You don't have to be clever. You just have to repeat the promises in the word of God. Because those I know are his will, because it's his words. When I say by his wounds you are healed, it's not something that, that I hope, it's something that his word says. Peter's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah here. Isaiah 53, 4-5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Now, it's true that these scriptures are pointing out a national and a spiritual healing. If you read the book of Isaiah, he's actually talking about, the, uh, about Israel. But, he's, but many people have argued that what, what, I, what he's saying in Isaiah is strictly speaking to the nation of Israel and not to healing. And it's true if you, if you read this in the, the context of Isaiah, the, the text doesn't demand any, any physical healing inside of it. It's talking about the nation of Israel being healed. But first, I would argue that, that when we get born again, when Jesus went to the cross and gave up his life for us, we were restored to the same position that Adam was in. And when Adam was living, as we saw last week, there was no sickness. There was no death. There was none of those things. So if Christ has restored us to that position, then by definition, we're restored to a position of health and wholeness. And I think that's a valid argument. But the good news is, you don't even have to just take my word for it. That's one of the things that drives me crazy about this. When people say it's just a national, a national promise, it's just for the nation of Israel, then why did the apostles and disciples interpret it as something completely different? In Matthew eight sixteen through 17 it says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the word, and he healed all who were sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. I figure if Matthew interpreted, interpreted, geez Louise, <laughs> if Matthew interpreted this scripture as physical healing, I think we're safe to do so as well. Amen? And the reality is, is what I love about this too is it says that they were bringing everybody to Jesus and he was healing them and casting out sickness and demons. And, and we see, begin to see Jesus' will and the way that he lived his life. And the scripture says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. The truth is, is that Jesus is perfect theology. If you're curious as to about what the Father's will is, just look what Jesus did. And not once did Jesus send somebody away. Not once did Jesus say, you know what? I'd love to heal you, but you got this thing I need you to work out first. Not once did Jesus just say no. He healed everyone. It says that he healed all who were sick. Not just some of them, not just the best of them, but everyone that came to him. Jesus didn't lay out a list of requirements, but we began to see the heart of the Father and the way that Jesus lived his life and the things that he did. And this is extended to every single person who believes in his name. James 5, 14 through 15 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
you know, one of the reasons why when we pray for healing, we call people up here and we lay hands on them is because we're just being obedient to the Word of God. Like I said, prayer is not terribly complicated. You just follow instructions and repeat the Word of God over people because His Word is true. But it says, if they're sick, pray on them, anoint them with oil, which we do have oil that we use on occasion. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But the reality is, as I begin reading some stuff on this, the 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 whole idea of the oil here, uh, many commenter, uh, commenters have talked about that this may not even be a spiritual thing that they're talking about here, this anointing with oil. The truth is, is that back then, they used oil for everything. To be, you know, it's coming back right now, right? We have essential oils. You know, people are using oil for everything. But uh, they, they used, it, was, it could have been a medicinal thing that he's even talking about in this particular case. But I don't know. Doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to follow the word of God. I was talking to my son the other day, and, and when I was in high school, I was very good at math. And my son is the same way. He, he just picks up numbers and works with them really well. And I remember watching people in high school struggle with stuff because they had to understand everything perfectly. When I followed the, the logic that if they say that this is the rule, it's the rule. And if I follow it, I get stuff right. And I don't think it's any different with the Bible. If we'll just listen to God's instruction, it's not rocket scientists. It's about us just paying attention. You know what? Even, even as I'm thinking about this, I'm up here speaking. See, God speaks to me even when I'm preaching. And I begin to think about it, and it says, let them call on the, the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I don't always use oil, and I just thought, well, why not? It's a pretty simple instruction. But the truth is, is that I'll even pray this stuff over here. If we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And what I love about this is it's not even a maybe they'll recover. It's not a, a they should recover or possibly they'll recover. It says they will recover. I love the promises of healing in the Bible because they're not confusing. They're not iffy. They're a done deal. Now, this doesn't say that it'll happen a instantaneously i've prayed for people that have had uh, i've seen people prayed for that have been healed instantaneously i've heard stories like i said from people that i trust first-hand accounts of laying hands on people and and eyes clearing up and then i've prayed for people and and been a part of praying for people that uh, we prayed for them not to have cancer and nothing seemed to happen then but a few weeks later the leukemia was gone so it doesn't always happen immediately. Sometimes it happens very quickly. Sometimes it happens over time. But the one thing I do know is that they will recover. Where is that at? Am I reading the wrong scripture this whole time and nobody said nothing to me? Hallelujah. Mm. Uh Ah, forgive me. I'm all over the place this morning. I got 14 messages in my head for the same thing. But the truth is, the Scripture does say you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They are, there it is. Praise God. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. <laughs> Just got ahead in my notes. <laughs> you know, you see Paul, when he was shipwrecked, he goes digging through a wood pile and he gets bitten by a snake. And they all figured that, oh, he survived the shipwreck, but he must be a murderer because he's going to die now that he was bitten by 
the snake. And he shakes it off and keeps on moving. He says they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands. And we see that 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 very thing happens. Now, I don't recommend that we do this on purpose. We shouldn't go out of our way to test God, I don't think. Scripture here says they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Mike Petzer, Petzer, who was my pastor, drank sulfuric acid once. He was in South Africa, and and, uh, they don't have a lot of the regulations that that we had, and and somebody had kept a bottle of sulfuric acid to clean the pool, left it in the same kind of water-shaped thing that they had, and he poured himself a glass and and chugged down, he was super thirsty, chugged down a, a glass of sulfuric acid. And he didn't realize it because he was so thirsty, he drank so fast, and so he started tasting blood in his mouth. And they begin praying for him. They lay hands on him and rush him to the hospital. And uh, he's, he's completely healed. I mean, he still speaks. I mean, most of you guys have heard him speak. He speaks fine, but he swallowed sulfuric. The thing is, is that there's promise of healing for those who believe in the name of Jesus. And it says they will recover. Not they might. Such a good promise. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Church, this includes healing. If you're going up there praying for healing, this, this is promised to you. If we pray for stuff and believe that we received it, we will receive it. This is physical healing. This is mental healing. You know, a lot of people that uh, in this world are struggling with not a physical deal with their body, but there's stuff going on in their head. And the reality is, is that, that there's such a negative uh, stigma to it in this world, but the reality is, is that why is it we can say we have a cold and everyone's like, oh, get some medicine, but you can say I'm, I'm struggling with depression and people start getting all weird about it. It's just another illness and it's still covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll end here in 1 John 3.8. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The very purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was to destroy the work of the devil and everything that he had done. Sickness is not a tool of God. It's a tool of the enemy. It was introduced when he, when he deceived Adam and Eve into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin was a result of the devil. And Jesus came to free from it all, us all. He looses us from sin. He looses, looses us from the bondage of death. And by his stripes, we are healed. The last enemy that would be defeated by Jesus is death. But that's the last enemy. That's the final enemy to be defeated, which implies that all the other enemies have been taken care of if we will put our trust in him. And just believe that he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. And recognize that that healing in your body right now, if you're a born-again believer, has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not something for a select number of people. It's not something that you have to beg for and ask for. It's not something that that, uh, you have to be super pious or do all the right things. It's been paid for by Jesus. And we just have to receive it. Pray in faith. Lay hands on the sick. Anoint them with oil. We're going to just trust God to do what he says he's going to do. Because he is faithful. Amen.